Amen, amen. Grab your Bibles. We're in Matthew chapter 25 today. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to be. Uh, looking at the parable of the talents. Um, I want to give you greetings from the Anthony Baptist Church. Last week, as many of you know, I was with uh, that, that sweet church, and uh, Danny joined with me, and uh, David and Lauren Ripple, we went and we led the worship service up uh, at our, our sister church just up the road. Uh, and we are beginning our journey of, of partnering with them. We are um, entering into a fostering relationship uh, with that church. They've been through a lot of transition through the years, and they're looking uh, to see how they may continue to, to flourish there in their community. And we're praying uh, for opportunities and looking at the opportunities that we're going to have uh, our church with them, partnering together so that they can reach their community uh, for the glory of the Lord. And be mindful of that. There'll be some opportunities for you along the way. If you'd like to partner with us and partner with them, uh, you'll hear more about that uh, perhaps a little bit later. Uh, we would love for you to join with us as we seek to encourage them and to let them know uh, that we are in this fight, this journey together. I'm also thankful for Pastor BJ who was able to stand here last week and to preach a couple more of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, he took a couple of those uh, aspects. They were so closely aligned with one another, kindness and goodness. And uh, so he has uh, laid that in front of you. And so I'm going to get to continue on today. Before we do that, though, let me remind you, it's hard to believe it, uh, we are three weeks from Palm Sunday, uh, which means we are four weeks away from Easter and so you need to be thinking about praying through whom you might be inviting to be a part of our, our Resurrection Sunday services. But also don't forget, uh, we've got Holy Week services. We, we have opportunities like we, we did last year to join together and to focus upon uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Christ. Uh, so but before we do that, we're going to continue our series in uh, the, the study of the fruit of the Spirit, a study we've called Fruition. And it's based on Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And we learned there that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I will tell you, I have tried my best. I, I memorized these, this fruit of the Spirit when I was a child. And old age or, or aging brain is starting to affect me. I have tried my best. Uh, to, to, to recall these, th these uh, aspects of the uh, fruit of the Spirit in order. And every time I do it, I mess up. Uh, but I would encourage you to try to memorize these, to work th that brain muscle if you can. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we're looking at faithfulness. And uh, by the way, remember that these are not nine fruits of the Spirit but there is but one fruit of the Spirit with nine aspects or nine traits of the Spirit. And it's not just a fruit that uh, you and I produce. It's actually produced by the Spirit because it's the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit uh, uh, who is in us produces this fruit and works this fruit in us. That doesn't mean we have nothing to do in regards to it. In fact, we have a lot to do. It's a part of the, the process of sanctification. We join with the Spirit of God and we, like physical fruit needs to be cultivated, we seek to cultivate and grow this fruit in our lives, which is why we're examining these nine aspects of the spiritual fruit. And we're going to continue to do so here through the rest of this month. So today's aspect or characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Now, I don't know how you would describe or define faithfulness. Here's how I would do it. Faithfulness 
describes someone who is dependable, trustworthy, and loyal. Someone who is dependable. I mean, you just know that they're going to be there. Someone who is trustworthy. They engender trust because they have proven themselves uh, to, uh, true to, to themselves and to, and to you. They're loyal. Uh, they are going to remain faithful to you and loyal to you. And so dependable, trustworthy, loyal, these are all ways to describe someone who is faithful. And we're going to describe or examine faithfulness through the lens of a parable, one of the parables of Jesus, particularly uh, here in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Now, many times pastors, and I've done this here even at our own church, will turn to this passage of Scripture, this uh, particular parable, where we want you to give more money. And that's really not the point of this message today. We're going to be talking about faithfulness today. And the parable of the talents is one of several parables and teachings that you find in Matthew's gospel, chapters 24 and 25. And uh, these two chapters focus uh, about being prepared on the re- for the return of Jesus, that Jesus is coming back one day and that we need to be prepared and ready for that. And in the particular parable that we're going to look at today, Jesus is going to be describing a, a, a set of servants, three servants, two of which are good and faithful servants, and he's going to contrast them with a servant whom he describes, uh, who the, in the story, he describes as wicked and slothful. And so we're going to read this whole parable together. I'm going to invite you in a moment to stand with me, and I'm going to read it from the beginning to the end. You'll follow along. But we're really going to narrow down into one verse, verse 21. You'll see it when it comes. And that's where our discussion is going to be. So even though we're going to read this large passage This one verse is going to be key for us. So why don't you go ahead and stand with me as we do, as we begin to open up God's Word together. If this is your first time joining with us, let me tell you why we are standing. We believe very strongly in the Word of God around here. We we teach it. We preach it a lot. We encourage one another by it. Uh, We organize our church uh, uh, according to it. We believe that the Word of God is sufficient and uh, that we need nothing else to, to know His will but His Word. He's given it to us. And that this is a unique book, amen? And uh, we can trust it through and through. And we, so we stand in the honor of the reading of it. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 14, reading all the way down to verse 30, so you'll see the whole context of the parable. Here's how it begins. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and the fulfillment of the kingdom. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him, And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, 
I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pray with me. Lord, we see two sets of servants. Some faithful, one wicked. One good, one failing to be faithful what has been given to them. And Lord, as we reflect upon what it means to have the fruit of the Spirit, in particular this aspect, this characteristic of the fruit that is faithfulness, my hope, my prayer is, Lord, that we would be encouraged to be faithful and to remain faithful, to be found dependable, to be found trustworthy, to be found loyal in the end. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look upon this story that you told your disciples, that we will listen as if it was being told to us for the first time. And in particular, Lord, that we would seek to hear the same response from you that the servants heard from their master. Well done, good and faithful. Now, Lord, I pray you encourage us with these words and we ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go ahead and have a seat. Perhaps there's no reason for me to unpack this whole parable for you because it's one of the most known parables of Jesus. We've studied it before. You've, you've read about it. You've read it and studied it in Bible study classes, perhaps. This is one of the more well-known and popular parables of Jesus. And the story is basically this. You've got a wealthy landowner who's going away on a journey, and he decides on, while he's away on this extended journey that he would take a portion of his resources and hand it over to his servants uh, after he leaves, they would be able to, to watch over and steward it. And so he's distributing to them, each, each of them, varying amounts of talents. Now, a talent here is not physical abilities or spiritual abilities. A talent actually was a monetary sum in Jesus's day. It was worth about 6,000 denarii. What's a denarii? Well, a denarii was a, a day's worth of wage for a common worker. And so we, we, we were to use you know, common equivalents of money um, that would be depending on you know, where the pay rage, wage rate is, and it's increasing drastically today, uh, that uh, 6,000 denarii would equate to approximately $500,000, just one talent. And so he was entrusting each of these. One man got five talents, another got two, another just one. But it, nevertheless, we're talking about vast amounts of money, entrusting to them large sums of money. And he was saying to them, this master in the story, saying to his servants, you take what is mine, what belongs to me. It's not yours, it belongs to me, but I'm entrusting it to you. I'm handing it over to you, trusting you with it. And so prove yourself worthy of this responsibility. Prove yourself to be dependable, to be trustworthy, to be loyal. Prove yourself to be faithful. And so how they stewarded these talents would determine uh, whether or not they were faithful. 
It wouldn't just be a matter of, of them being faithful in the immediate sense. It would matter for them in all of eternity according to the story. And really, it's the same for us. Our faithfulness matters. The Lord has entrusted to us uh, our lives. He's entrusted to us things, but He's entrusted to us our relationship with Him. And, and our faithfulness to Him matters, along with the rest of the fruits of the Spirit. You see, we, we do not have a relationship with God by, by gaining and developing and cultivating these traits of the fruit of the Spirit, but they are evidence of the fact that we have a relationship with the Lord. When, we, when you trust Christ, when you know Christ, when you seek forgiveness of your sins from Him, and He forgives you as you turn from your life of, of focusing upon yourself and surrendering your all to Him, when he, when he saves you, He changes you, and the Holy Spirit then comes within you and dwells in you, and this Holy Spirit is working in you uh, to produce this, the, these traits, this fruit of the Spirit. And so this fruit, that is the fruit of the Spirit, is evidence of the Spirit within us. It's evidence that we have a relationship with Christ. And that's why this particular aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, which is faithfulness, is so important. It's, it's a part of the evidence of our salvation, and, and it matters for all of eternity. It doesn't mean that if we're always faithful, or if we fail to, or if we fail to be, always be faithful, that we're lost, but an ongoing faithfulness to the Lord is a sign, is, is the evidence of our faith in Christ. So beyond that, what I'd like to do is to encourage you to, to, to not only have faith in the Lord, but to be faithful and to remain faithful in Him. And so to do that, I'd like to narrow down our focus in our study today here in Matthew chapter 5 down to one verse, verse 21. And if you don't like verse 21, then look to verse 23 because they're identical verses. They're the same thing. They're repeated in both verses. But in verse 21 and then also in verse 23, what we see here is the owner's response to the first servant and then the second servant who were good managers of what was given to them. And it's the owner's response uh, that is based upon the faithfulness of each servant. And so as, as we look at faithfulness, what we're going to be doing is examining faithfulness a little bit different than we've been examining these other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, with the other aspects, part of the, the, the presentation to you is to look at ways that we can see the, these aspects grow and be cultivated in our lives. But you know, faithfulness is a little bit different. You, you are either faithful or you are not. You are either loyal or you are not. Partial Un, uh, partial faithfulness is really unfaithfulness, right? And so the call here is to be faithful and to remain faithful. And so with, from this verse, with that in mind, I'd like to show you the importance of being and remaining faithful. And here's one reason why we want to be faithful and to remain faithful as a reflection of our, our, our walk with the Lord. And that is because of this. Number one, faithfulness pleases the Lord. Do you know that? When you are faithful, the Lord finds it pleasing. It is pleasing to him. The first two ser servants, as we know, they, they performed faithfully. And verse 21, as we're, and we'll keep going back to this verse over and over again, verse 21 gives us the master's response to the first servant. It's repeated in verse 23 as he repeats the same response to the second faithful servant. And here is what he says. Look at verse 21. The master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. 
this simple little statement, we repeat it often, especially when we reflect upon our own faithfulness or the faithfulness of, of a saint who's gone to be with the Lord. We get this picture in our mind that one day when we, we enter into the presence of the Lord, we're going to hear this statement, well done, good and faithful servant. That one day the Lord is going to affirm those uh, who are faithful. If we are faithful, if we remain faithful to him, we're going to get this pat on the back. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, when I was a kid growing up in Owensboro, Kentucky, one of the fanciest restaurants in the town in Owensboro is a place called the Briar Patch Restaurant. And uh, on special dates, my father would, uh, and mother, they would hire a babysitter and, uh, and we would stay at home and they would go off to the Briar Patch to have a nice dinner together. Uh, the kids never got to go, Right? It was too fancy, which what that means is we're not spending that much money on you to, to eat. That's what that basically meant. Too expensive. Uh, you know, the fanciest restaurant I'd ever, ever been to up to that point, point was the Ponderosa, and I had to eat off the kids' meal, all right? And so the Briar Patch restaurant was the fanciest restaurant in town. What made it fancy in those days is that it had the first ever uh, salad bar in Owensboro, Kentucky, all right? So it was a significant place. And I always wanted to go. I always wanted to go. I'd often ask, why, why can't we go to this restaurant? Well, my dad one day made an offer to me that if I, as a, as a little league baseball pitcher, that if I ever pitched a no-hitter in a baseball game, that, that as a reward, he would take me to, to, to the briar patch. And again, I was playing little league baseball at the time. I, by the way, I never pitched that no-hitter. Never happened. Uh, I got close a couple of times. Um, and if you know, you know, baseball for little leaguers only goes for six innings. Well, I was in an all-star game, and I was the pitcher in this particular all-star game, and there were no draws, no ties, because the winner of the game would get to move on to, to the next level, and I was pitching, and I was doing quite well, and I actually lasted the entire game. We went nine innings. Uh, I, I was a sixth grader. went nine innings uh, before the game was over. We didn't win the game, but but I could tell my, my, you know, that, that my performance really meant something to my father. And he put his arm around me, told me what a good job that I did. And I, I, I said, Dad, I know I didn't pitch a no-hitter, but can we go to the briar patch? <laughs> you, know? you know what he said? He said, yes, son. He, he, I couldn't be prouder of you. Now, guess what? We never went to the briar patch. <laughs> and it wasn't his fault. We, there was a better restaurant. We were on vacation in, in South Florida. We went to a better restaurant than that. <clears throat> but so I don't think we ever went to the briar patch. But do you know what I do remember? I do remember my father put his arm around me and he said to me, son, I'm proud of you. I am so very proud of you. And in the end, it doesn't matter whether we ever made it to that briar patch restaurant or not. What mattered most more than that meal, more than anything else is that I made my father proud that day. You see, I, I wanted my dad's respect. I wanted to know that he was proud of me. I wanted to please him. You know, we all have a heavenly father. You know that, right? If you're a follower of Christ, God is your heavenly father. And, and one day you're going to leave this world. And, and when you do, you're going to find yourself before your heavenly father in heaven. And he, when you're in his presence, he will say to you, to those who have remained faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. When you do a good job for the Lord, that's not how you get saved, by the way. That, that it's based upon the good He did upon the cross for you and being buried and, and going into the grave on your behalf. 
but, but, but when you do a good job for the Lord in response to what He has done for you, when you demonstrate faithfulness, when you, when you remain uh, dependable and trustworthy and loyal, guess what it does? It pleases your heavenly Father. It pleases Him. And we can expect His praise one day. One day, He's going to pat us upon the back. And it's really crazy to think about it when you consider it. Because He is the God of the universe. I mean, every single Sunday, we gather in this room, 52 weeks out of the year, we gather in this room, and we spend a good portion of our time singing our praises to the God of the universe. But there is a day when the God of the universe that we have been singing our praises to is going to turn around and praise us and say simply, well done, good and faithful servant. But that's only if, if we remain faithful, if. You see, faithfulness pleases him. And I think that's why he takes time to, to offer words of praise to us when we, we finally find ourselves before his presence. And by the way, it's not going to be some quick and personal thing. It won't, you know, sometimes we get this image of what heaven might be like. You know, we, we, we've seen the, the depictions where there's going to be this line outside the pearly gates, you know, and people are going to enter in one at a time, like they yell out your name and you walk in and, and that, you know, it's going to be such a long line, maybe that it's going to be a quick, hey, well done, uh, good and faithful servant, next. Well done, good and faithful servant, next. That's not, that's not the picture we should take from here. It's going to be a thoughtful moment of, of, of the Lord expressing His pleasure over us. The Apostle Paul notes that one day the Lord, this is 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5, that one day the Lord will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. And then each one will receive His commendation, His praise from God. Each one of us are going to receive our commendation from Him. It'll be personal. It'll be, be thoughtful. And, and if you are faithful, your, your faithfulness is going to be clearly revealed one day. And if so, it's going to be specifically celebrated. The Lord's going to affirm you, but only if you qualify, only if you're faithful. And you'll notice that, that the master, when he's speaking to the servants here in this verse, that, that, that he gives some qualifying words of, of praise he says, well done, good and faithful servant. It wasn't just well done, servant. Well done, good and faithful. These are qualifying words. They're, they're character words. They're an indication that these workers were morally, these servants were morally upright. They were dependable, loyal, and trustworthy. They took what was given to them and they stewarded it well and it came back with an increase. They, they weren't just committed for their shrewd business sense. What they did with what they were given was an overflow of who they were. It was an overflow of their faithfulness, their goodness. By the way, the master was far more pleased by who they were than by what they did. That's why he's commending these two servants, but, but is condemning the third. He doesn't just condemn that third servant for being slothful, for doing nothing, but he condemns them for being wicked as opposed to being good. It's a reminder that our, that our God... He is more interested in our faithfulness than our performance. He's more interested in who we are than, than, than how we perform, how successful we do what we do. And being a good and faithful servant, it really depends upon being the kind of person that behaves in a way that honors the Lord. Here's another reason why we should be faithful and remain faithful. And it's because, number two, faithfulness leads to greater opportunity for faithfulness. See, how faithful you are with what the Lord has given you now 
And by that, I mean your life, how you're living your life for him will lead to more and greater opportunities of faithfulness later. Because you'll notice how the master tells the good and faithful servants beyond that in verse 21. He says, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. What in the world does that mean? Does it mean more money is going to be given to them? Well, maybe there's another parable that we can briefly look at that that sort of clarifies what's going on here. Give us a, a little bit of a clue here. There is another parable known as the parable of the minus or the minus. And uh, it, it's a, parable, a parallel parable to this one. And instead of talents given to the master or to the servants, they were give these, given a, a mina or mina, it was, which was about three months worth of wages for a worker. And similar to this story that we see in Matthew chapter 25, two of the servants were faithful, one was not faithful. And basically the master responds in, in similar ways, but there's one exception Let me just read it to you. This is from Luke chapter 19, verse 17. It says, this is what the master said to the the first two servants. He said to them, well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in a very very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And so they were, in that other parable, they started with being responsible over some money. And the response would be that they would be given responsibility, not over more money, but over many people, not just one city, but multiple cities. And so the master in that parable is not just thinking monetary uh, response, but he's responding by giving them more opportunity. And that's more opportunity to steward, to, to, to shepherd what the Lord has given to them, but to do so faithfully. And that really makes sense. I mean, you can say to your kids, you know, look, I want you to practice golf two hours a day and I'll buy you a new bike if you do. And that, they may be well and good if you do that, but a, but a better approach might be, you know, practice golf two hours a day and one day you may earn a scholarship, having more opportunity to play golf. And that's really how God thinks in his economy when it comes to our faithfulness. Our faithfulness leads to greater opportunities to be faithful. Now, does this mean that our greater opportunities are faithful will, to be faithful will come in this life or the life it is to come? I, I really don't know. The story that, that we re- we're reading here, this parable in Matthew chapter 25, does have its eye toward the future. But what we do know is, yes, in the future, we're all going to reign with Christ one day. We'll have more responsibility, more opportunity to be faithful in the, in the future. But will it happen in this life? Perhaps. What's most important to remember is that greater opportunities will come if we remain faithful. And listen, our our faithfulness doesn't just bring blessing. It also leads to more opportunities to be faithful. Now, that's not to say we're not going to be rewarded one day. We are going to be rewarded one day. We will. And that's the final point that I want to point to here in this text from verse 21. And that is this, faithfulness and why you need to be faithful and remain faithful faithfulness brings reward. For those that are faithful and remain faithful, a celebration is on the way. The master says to the good and faithful servants there in verse 21, after saying, you're well done, good and faithful servants, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. We get this incredible statement, enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Let me see if I can set the scene for you. Some of you actually had an opportunity to sort of see what, what the, the, the picture that's being painted here when he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Because many of you came to my oldest daughter's wedding to Zach. 
And if you remember on the day that we had the wedding back a, a couple of months ago, a month and a half ago, you know, we've lived in, in this state uh, for 13 years. You know how many days that it has rained in the state of Florida in the month of January in the more than 10, 12 years that we have been here? Zero. And so my daughter and her fiance, her now husband, decided that they wanted to have an outdoor wedding. And on the one day in all of January where it rained unlike it has ever rained in the month of January here, the buckets came a-pouring. And we knew this in advance the day before. And the plan was that we would have an outdoor wedding out on the lawn and then the, then the folks would be able to come into the, the uh, fellowship center for a time of reception. And it was going to be decorated for the wedding. And so when we saw the weather forecast that there was just no way that we were going to have an outdoor wedding, we decided, and she decided that we would do the wedding inside and do it in the fellowship center. In the very place that we were going to have the reception. And the reception was to look different than the wedding service. And if you were in, that, in attendance that day, you know that we all had the service, beautiful ceremony, then we walked out into the crossroads area and in the hallway. Uh, meanwhile, a group of folks went in very quickly and they turned the room over, the doors were shut, and we were all standing outside in the hallway waiting in anticipation. And finally, the moment came when the doors opened up and everyone was asked to enter into the time of celebrating the, the, the newly married couple. And that's really the picture that is being given here when, when the, the, in the parable the master says, enter into the joy of the master. It's the idea that the doors have been closed and that there's a celebration awaiting on the other side and the doors are being flung open and people are going to be ushered in to a great time of fellowship and celebration. All right, everybody, come on in. That's what we're getting here, this picture. It's a call to enter into the celebration. That's the sense. And when you hear these words, enter into the joy of your master. This is a reminder, church. Listen, one day there's going to be a celebration. One day it is coming. And we're going to be ushered into a great party. We're going to enter into the joy of the Lord. And that's the ultimate reward. We get to be in the very presence of our Lord and Savior, into, into His very joy and happiness. We'll get to see Him face to face. We get to be in His presence, to know Him personally and intimately, and to do so forever and ever and ever. That's what you were made for. God made you for that. To be in the joy, in the presence of the Lord. It, that's the greatest of joy. And that reward will be ours one day. Let me tell you how relevant this is. And you know, when originally when we had laid out this uh, series, we were actually going to preach the, the, the goodness and the kindness messages separately. And in the, in the lead up of last week when we made a decision that I would go and preach in, in Anthony, uh, BJ, Pastor BJ and I began to talk because as he explained to you last week, those two... Um, uh, descriptions of goodness and kindness they are really synonymous words very closely related and I debated when I laid out this sermon series whether or not I would preach eight messages or nine messages if I did eight we would combine those two and originally it was going to be nine and we we're going to finish this series right on top of of Palm Sunday and then when we made the decision for me to go we, we just debated it I said BJ why don't you just go ahead and preach those two together and what that means is that this message that I'm preaching today, originally I was going to preach next week. 
But here we are on this text at this moment, and we're talking about faithfulness and hearing from our Lord one day, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, and enter into the joy of the Lord. Let me tell you how relevant it is because our church family right now, we're, these are heavy days for our church if you're, you're clued in at all. We've had a couple of our church members or, or at least people that have been previously members of our church who've passed away in the last couple of days. Two people who made, have made huge impacts in the life of our church and our fellowship who, who really embodied faithfulness. Allison Saddam, who was on our church staff for many, many years, was just a key, key person in the life of our church. And uh, she's been fighting. They moved, her, she and Adam and their family moved away a handful of years ago. And uh, we hated to see them go. They went uh, to Texas and then landed in Virginia. And, um, but the last handful of years, about three years, Allison's been fighting cancer. And uh, we've been watching. Uh, many of us have continued our relationship with her. And you've heard us uh, ask for prayer for her. And you've seen stuff on social media. And um, a few days ago on Wednesday, she was moved into hospice. I made a, a quick decision, by the way, to get on a plane. I flew to Virginia just to be there for Adam and encourage him you know, uh, for a very quick trip. I had no idea that while I was there um, that uh, she, would, her, she would turn so quickly and that she would go be with the Lord. In fact, I was in the room with her, with Adam and, and her mother in her last moments. She passed, by the way, one hour before I was supposed to head back to the airport uh, to fly back here. I'm just going to tell you that one of the greatest privileges it is for a pastor, and I say the privilege very specifically, but one of the greatest privileges I have as a pastor from time to time is to be in the presence of a family who has a family member who's about to go see Jesus. And I say that because I've watched and I've observed and I've seen the testimony over and over and over and over again that there is a distinct difference between people who have faith and trust in the Lord in the passing of a loved one than those who have no idea what I've just talked about. There is a hope and there is a trust and there is a belief and there is a promise that comes in having a relationship with Jesus. The very promise that we're talking about right here in this moment when we, we reflect upon the words of the master to the servant and hearing that one day we're going to see hear from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant, and we hear this phrase, enter now into the joy of the Lord. We truly believe that, and that tempers everything when it comes to how we see death and dying. And it was no less of a privilege to be in Adam's presence and to just listen to him talk to his children. and Talk about the faith that he has and the trust that he has in the Lord and that we've been praying for her healing and look, kids, the Lord is healing her. may not be the way we wanted her to be healed in this life, but she is going to be healed forevermore. And that this is not the end of her. And I had an opportunity even to talk with the kids and to talk about how, what, what heaven, because as any, anyone would be, you know, what's heaven going to be like? It's one of the questions I often feel as a pastor from time to time. You know, tell me, what's heaven going to be like? And the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot of what heaven's going to be like, but, but it does give us some clues. And we know you just get to the end of the book and you discover that in heaven there are not going to be tears there. There's no death, no dying, no mourning, no crying, no pain. As we've read in, in, in Matthew chapter 25, it's a place where we enter into the joy of the Lord. 
and to have the privilege to share that truth to be able to say, look, this is not the end. We're going to get to see this person again. And the best of all is that this person, this loved one, gets to be with Jesus. And so I just knew that the moment that when Allison drew her last breath, and I was weeping as they were because she's my friend and I'm going to miss her, but at the same time it was tears of joy because I knew she was entering into the joy of the Lord. How do I know that? Because she placed her faith and trust in the Lord. She was faithful to the Lord in the end. And, and if I didn't get the point of that, she's not the only one that's remained faithful. One of our dear men in the church, one of our dear deacons, Ed Lewis, many of you have been praying for him and walking alongside of him. One of the neatest men I've ever been around. We always knew him as Captain Ed. And Ed, as you know, last year suffered a stroke, and that man has worked so hard to get back. He wanted to get back to be with his church family. And he was doing well and getting near to doing that, improving. But a couple of weeks ago, he suffered another stroke. And really, he just never recovered. And last night, Ed went home to be with Jesus too. And just like Allison, Ed Lewis... He knew Jesus. Many, many years ago, he trusted the Lord with his life. And for years, he served faithfully. He worked in our student ministry for many, many years. He's been a faithful deacon for many, many years. The impact of that man and, and the quietness in which he has touched lives. I mean, he just loved people. You get around him, you just sensed it all over him. He was faithful to the very end. I was asked at his bedside, statement was made, you know, times like these are, 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 must be really hard on pastors. You know, I've just been in one person's bedside who was passing and then now to be near him. You know what my response was? It's what I've already told you, you know, it may be hard, but you know, it's really a privilege. It's a privilege. I mean, we grieve, of course, it's natural to grieve, but, but what this loved one is experiencing, it's actually a blessing because death is but a transport, a transportation from being in this life. It's a doorway into the next, and it's the doorway into the presence of God. And so the death of a Christian is a celebration. It's why the psalmist says in Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Heaven, entering into the joy of the Lord, it's our reward. The reward for people of faith. Obviously, I've been thinking a lot about funerals of late. And listen, the Christians, we, we typically, we have the right view on this. We, we typically, we think of, of, of funerals and we want our funerals not to be somber affairs. Allison called me in June of last year. We hadn't talked for several months. I was at the Southern Baptist Convention. Just out of the blue, she called me up and she said, Darren, I we need to talk about my funeral. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's, that's too quick. Let's not talk about that right now, you know. And we, we talked briefly about it, but she said, I just want you to know I want it to be a celebration. And celebration it should be. But I've been thinking a whole lot about this. Even before the, these recent days, I've been thinking about what funerals ought to be. And church, let me just say this. You know, a funeral service is really not about it's not about the person or for the person who has died. You know that, right? 
The Bible tells us that, you know, it is appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. So it doesn't matter what we say or do at, at your funeral service or whether we have a funeral service for you or not. It really doesn't matter. Your eternity is set based upon whether or not you put your faith and trust in Christ in this life or not. But funeral services are really for the, those of us who remain behind. And so I've been thinking about it. Yes, we ought to celebrate because our, our loved ones, they have gone to be with the Lord, but I wonder if they ought to be more than that. I'm wondering if we ought to see funeral services like a pep rally. Again, I know that the, the person who's passed away, they, they don't hear it, they don't know about it, but, but it really ought to be an encouragement. We ought to be cheering our, our loved ones on. And we ought to be like our Lord is saying to them, well done, good and faithful servant. And we all need to be pointing to the life of that person saying, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, this person led a faithful, loyal, dependable, trustworthy Christ. Look what Christ did in this person's life. Well done, good and faithful servant. We ought to be cheering that fact and celebrating that fact because it ought to be an encouragement for you and I to do the same thing. Knowing that one day we're going to step out of this earth. We're going to step away from this planet. And there will be others who follow us. And there will be a pep rally. You know, not excited that, we, that we're out of here. But excited for us that we get to be with Jesus. But also saying, well done. Well done. Now let's the rest of us do the same. Let's be good and faithful servants. You know, this story, this parable, it's a powerful one. It gives us powerful imagery. And again, it's pointing about our future and whether or not we're gonna, our faithfulness is proven true. And you see two images, two, pe two sets of people. You've got the first two servants who get the commendation. They get the praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But there's, a, there's another person in the story. We've not really dwelt upon his story but instead of hearing good and faithful, he hears wicked and slothful. And instead of entering into the joy of the Lord, he's told this, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what we get is this picture of two different people, two different sets of people, two different types of people, those who found their faith in Jesus Christ and those that have not. But we also see the destiny of each. One entering into the joy of the Lord and the other experiencing the judgment and damnation of a life lived for themselves and not for Jesus. And I know these descriptions that we have here the fruits of the, Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit, these aspects are a reflection of those who have Christ, but I just want to take this moment to remind you that faith in Christ is not automatic. And that if you do not know Jesus and you die, because you will, but if you die apart from Christ, you will not hear the commendation. You will hear the condemnation. And I would just implore you, and implore you in light of these dear saints that have left us recently, based on their testimony of faithfulness, and their testimony is this, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus, seek His forgiveness, and follow Him to the end of your days that based upon their testimony that you would do the same. And in the end, had the Spirit of God deposited within you, 
dwelling within you and be found faithful in the end. Can I just pray for you? Just bow your head with me and let me just pray. Lord, I do not believe it's by accident that the schedule for this sermon and this series got flipped a little bit in a time in which so many of us are reflecting upon the lives of those who have left us and have now entered into your presence. And perhaps this week we're a little bit more mindful of our own mortality and how that the day is coming when we exit this world. And so I'm grateful for your, your, your direction and that, we, that of all Sundays this day, we can talk about entering into the joy of your presence. Lord, as we're reminded that not every person is going to experience that, that there will be some who will be deemed wicked and separated and will face eternal judgment because of their lack of faith in you. But Lord, let this moment, let this message, let the testimony of these saints who have trusted you and have lived, lived life for you faithfully, let it serve as a, a means for the Holy Spirit of God to bring conviction upon those who do not have this faith. And that Lord, in light of the passing of these dear loved ones, as we reflect upon the fact that we will die one day, let it be that someone here today recognize that and surrender their all to you, Lord, by your power, by your strength. Save someone today and then, Lord, empower them to live a life of faith for you to the end. Now, Lord, I don't know who these may be, but you know. It may be possible someone in this room walked in this room thinking that they had a relationship with you, but Lord, the, the convicting work of the Spirit of God has been doing an incredible work on their soul today. And now, even now, they're beginning to realize that they have never trusted you as Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, if that be the case, I pray that you, you compel them to respond in faith. They seek your forgiveness, turning from their wicked ways and turning to you. And as they put their faith and trust in you, that, Lord, you would save them and redeem them. This I ask and pray. Now, Lord, we ask that your Spirit move in, what, in only the way the Spirit can do it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.